What's going on, y'all? I'm Lenny. I'm busy. Rodney in the building was popping. And you're now listening to the Wisdom Podcast, and today we got a very special guest in the building. Yeah, we do. We're going, we're going, we're going. <laughs> <laughs> what's up, what's up? Yo, introduce yourself to the people, man. I go by the name of Young Paul. I'm mm. representing Collective US. Yeah, uh, Paul the God. DJ in the city. Um, these guys have me on today, so I'm happy yeah. to be here. Thank you for oh, coming. Dope. Yeah, I got to tell you, Young Paul, nine out of ten times when I go out in the city of Boston, it's definitely to one of your shows, man. Oh, man. I, like, <laughs> I, I kid you. you not. Like, everybody I've invited is definitely to one of your events because the way you mix, you and your team mix the, the music is just like, damn. The vibe for me is perfect. Wait, like, so how long you been DJing? Uh, for me, it's been about uh, nine to ten years now. All right, so uh, so that means you're that's I think you're putting your ten thousand dollars within that time. Would you yeah, say so? I, I think I'm getting close to there, man. I got, uh, I think I'm getting starting to get some grays in my beard. So <laughs> definitely yeah, massive. I want to I want to ask you like because Ronnie just said the way you guys mix is crazy. So I want to see how do you see DJing? Like how do you look at it? Because I feel like creative people have a certain way of looking at things that normal people don't. Because I make beats and when I hear music, I don't I'm not just listening to it. I'm seeing FL in my head. Like I'm seeing the knobs. I'm seeing what they did. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing everything. So how do you see DJing? What's your approach to it? So in creative outlets, I think a lot of them are very similar. So it's like a, a chef or a painter. You go and source your materials, and then you just go out and you pick from what you have and then you just put something together to me it's like when I'm approaching mixes or parties or DJ sets I like to go off of feeling Mm. Um, when I see the crowd me when I'm at home I can't practice like I'll know what songs I want to play what new new is out what I'm looking for what I'm searching but it's like fight or flight so when I go into a situation I just know what songs like are good or good hitters or whatever whatever. but then it's time like I see people's energy and I give that back so it's like putting mixes together putting blends together certain times I, I always just try to feed off the energy yeah is oh sorry to cut you off I was gonna say is there a certain crowd you like to perform to like some a crowd like you're most comfortable uh not necessarily it's, you know I approach it as whoever's in the room at the time it could be any type of person just whatever you know I want to make sure that they're having fun so if I have like an 85 year old person in the room I would like to play songs that you know could cater to them but yeah, yeah, usually yeah. I'm playing for clubs that are like you know 21 to maybe 32 years old yeah. people so it's like I always just try to make sure that you know I can bring people back to times in their life that was good but also to stay current and make sure people enjoy it in the sense that you know they hear the songs that they want to hear now too mm. yeah. so how do you research music then like because Hearing you speak, you it sounds like you have to have a wide range of experience. Cause yeah, DJing, if you're it's not DJing, easy, man. That's what I'm saying. So if you're it's DJing not. for somebody that's 85, and then you know you got like a a, a crowd mixed, how do you keep your ear tuned to everything? It, it, you know, it's just like you go through. You know, you do a lot of research. Um, you know, music is always cyclical and it's always you know repeating itself. So mm-hmm. you, you know, most of the songs that we hear on the radio today are you know remakes or reeditions of old music. So I like to go back and be like, where was that song from? Mm. And by doing that type of research and picking up on where that song came from, you get to see the other aspects and genres. You know, some of my favorite music to play is like disco and um, 80s funk, 70s funk, stuff like that. Because, you know, that's the basis of what we listen to now in hip hop. So now, you know, once you extrapolate that and then you go further... It's like, oh, okay, I can blend some, I can blend some funk with some hip hop and make that cool. Or like old dancehall songs, you know, Kanye's whole album had a bunch of dancehall influence yeah. on it. So you know, I can drop, you know, Nancy, Sister Nancy, Bomb Bomb, but then I can do Famous and, you know, all those type of blends. So it's just doing the research, um, listening to a lot of music over the years, and you know, just being around, you know, older people. I had older sisters when I was younger, so they kind of like 
shaped my influence on music. Like my sister used to collect a lot of CDs, so I was like, yeah, I used to just listen to that stuff and then always had an old ear for music. Yeah, one time, once I went to a day party, like it was on a Sunday, and you played an old school track. I'm like, okay, this is cool. And then you mixed it to one of the Kanye's track. Yeah, mm-hmm. I was so blown away. <laughs> I actually crazy. recorded it. I don't remember the name of the track, but I'm like, damn. One thing I did, like, when, um, you know, it was maybe a couple months after The Life of Pablo came out, um, you know, just seeing the source of the music and I was just going through going through where uh, where that song came from I was doing research and then yeah, I, I found he used out, a lot of reference y- Kanye yeah. yeah he used a gospel song called um, Father Stretched My Hands but it's, I think it's Pastor J.T. Barrett mm-hmm. and just seeing where that sample came from I was like let me throw this into the routine and I did it, the first time I ever did it was in New York City at a, a party called The Arena we did a collaboration with them my, my team Collective US we did a party with them in New York and that was the first time I was trying that blend out. So it was like, you know, the gospel song. And it's like waiting for everybody to be like, what is this guy playing in the middle of this party? Is he playing yeah. gospel music? And then, yeah, you know, you hit him with the Kanye and it's like, Ooh, it's like, boom. <laughs> yeah, like, I know exactly what you mean. Yeah. Man. Yeah. So, so are you afraid of the other DJ stealing that? Like, how do you I mean, you know, as, as we come from a mold where it's like other DJs, you know, we all pick up on certain things. You know, I've heard other True. people do blends like that before. So it's mm-hmm. like. You, you know, we're in the same mold. If you a, a real good DJ will, you know, understand, you know, the other aspects. We we all have the same place. It's like when I hear something like that when I go out, it's like that DJ knows what time yeah. it is. You know what I'm saying? And just rather than someone who's just playing record after record after record. But you know, when they're doing like deep deep cuts, like we had this guy get live at the Way Boston, my our day party yeah. that we throw last month, and he was just hitting everybody with like sample after sample. He even threw like. Travis Scott and a dope sample on there and I was just like my god <laughs> beast it's like you know what I'm saying so it's like when you hear another DJ doing stuff like that you're like yo yeah I, pre- I appreciate good DJs cause we recently came from London like a couple weeks ago and the DJs there were trash horrible, horrible. trash horrible. like I mean they was playing like hits from the 2000s like early <laughs> it's two, like and the cu- 2003 type shit like, oh my and, and, but, and the, the thing transition is, was like ooh, and to, to piggyback so off what Ronnie just said yeah. it's that made me see how crucial. Like I, I always knew a DJ is crucial to like the the vibe in the party, but that made me see how yep. crucial it is because you We're can see spoiled. everybody's vibe change. Like he'll play one thing, like a throwback that's good, everybody good. knows, but then he'll play like a 2003 track that's like what. And the transition and everybody was horrible. Was just like, every- to, to me, it's like it's it's surprising to hear that because um, London DJ culture is really really like you know they they the music is is invading you know in terms of hip hop yeah. and grime scene it's kind of invading into the mainstream, mm-hmm. but now it's like. I know they do a lot of wheel ups and they do a lot of reggae culture, a lot of mm-hmm. Afro, a beat lot of culture. Afro beats. But it, it, it with, with within that frame, it always has to be tasteful. And you know, if you don't have what I would say to a lot of DJs, if you don't have the basis down of basic blending and mixing, that's when you're gonna struggle. But anybody who has those basis down, you could drop, you could drop like Nelly hot in here in a party. But if you have something tasteful that you mm-hmm. do with it. Then that's when it becomes that's all right. Let's, yeah, he just dropped Nelly Tate in hot here, but he did that in a way that was cool, not just like playing like a downtown top forty. <laughs> Why yeah, you yeah. be doing that? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm not gonna take away from all the DJs in London. Some, you know, most, most of them. Most some, of them. Yeah. Well, the places we've been, mm-hmm. yeah. they were pretty trash. How, how'd you guys end up in, in London? What was going on out there? Oh, um, it was actually Carnival Week. Oh, okay. and I've never been. Did you go to Notting Hill? Yeah, Notting Hill. Oh, oh man. Ooh. Whoa, I, heard, I, I heard, would recommend I, I would recommend anyone to go there if yeah. you like carnival. No, I know. I've seen I saw the footage from um this thing called Boiler Room 
last year, mm-hmm. it was just like one of the craziest street parties I've ever it's seen. It's definitely, yeah, it it's definitely a, one of the best places I've been, yeah. actually. Yeah. I would recommend people to go to London. The music there is, um, there's a lot of mixture, you know, because it's, it's Central Europe. Like, mm-hmm. you got Africans coming there, other mm-hmm. Europeans. So there's a lot of Afrobeat, Caribbean music. Yeah. I love the music. It, like, you're there, you're opening up to more music, and like, damn, I don't grime music and mm-hmm. stuff mm-hmm. It's, yeah it's pretty interesting over yeah. there i have a heavy appreciation for um uk culture you know it's a, it's a change of pace from here yeah but also too like i think they're very deep and like introspective in their their just how they connect with each other and you know the the melting pot that it is it really you is know, i think that's really awesome but so like where how did you become a dj like what made you say like i want to become a dj like how did you get to this point? So I was around maybe 16 or 17 years old. Um, I would go to, I, I grew up in uh, Randolph, but I spent a lot of time in Brockton. Um, and we, my cousins used to throw kind of house parties and stuff like mm-hmm. that. And they kind of, my my, my my uncle had like a four channel kind of mixer. It no was just scratching? like a, no, no, it wasn't even, I, the crossfader was like in some weird place. It was like, I forgot what type it was, what brand it was. But I, we used to always like kind of throw like house parties and I would always yeah, see yeah. like, certain people play and I'll be like I could do that blend and then um, I would listen to DJs on the radio DJs like Chubby Chubb mm-hmm. um, who else was on there um, there's a bunch of people like DJ Dex people like I remember when it was Hot 97 and Jamming 94.5 when they really when used to they, play when, mu- yeah. good music so right, right. I used to listen to those mixes and I'll be like damn like this is something cool like um, and then I met um, my sister's friend this DJ named Breck One like he's big in the city right now. He's, he's okay. been making moves for years in the city. We became really good friends, and he was like establishing himself as a DJ in college in Amherst and out here in Boston. And I was just like trying to learn as much as I could from him. So he kind of taught me the ropes in the sense of what to purchase, you know, what what the equipment is. And then from there, it's like me. I've always had like kind of you know hyper focus on things. Yeah. So if if I see something I want to do. I'm going to do it, and I'm going to keep on doing it. I will think about that the every drive. day. The drive. Yeah. So DJing was that thing. Like, once I once I started it, like, 10 years ago, that's the only thing I think about every day. Um, and then from there, you know, just, just continuing to build. The time that you spend in your room practicing is the most important time that you'll ever have because, true. you know, or just building those. I remember the, the, the beginning. I would just sit there for hours, 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 maybe, like, when I was in college, not even sleep sometimes. And it would just be like, yo, I'm going to do this. It's a lot of music, music. man. Yeah, <laughs> it, it was crazy. Um, So from there, you know, just continuing to build that, build that, build that out, build that out. And then um, just every time I got an opportunity, it was like, let's go. Is there a lot of space for DJs to grow in Boston? Because I know Boston is not really a party location. Mm-hmm. And especially for, like, urban people. Mm-hmm. There's not much places urban people could go out and party, like, what I'll say is there's no perfect place to build. You just have to create your own outlet, create your own avenue to build. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, in anywhere you would go because you there's millions of DJs everywhere, but who are the people that are going to get the gigs? It's the people that work hard, that build connections, that, you know, when they get the opportunity, they rock it. And those are the people that are going to last. Those are the people that are really dedicated mm-hmm. to their craft. So for, for me, I, I think Boston, at times, it could be, you know, like – if you look at it from a view to say like, oh, I can't really build here, that's kind of like you're going to get the results you get. But at the same sure. time, too, if you take advantage of opportunities, I remember like I was going, sending out emails. I was going to meet people. Like I was not like stopping when yeah. I was trying to build out here. So like that, 
that willingness in order to build with people and make those connections are, are, are what going to get you in the door and make you viable. Yeah, we have this. We have these conversations multiple, like a lot of time here about building in Boston, which there's like right. a a glass ceiling. Mm-hmm. Like there's a certain way. Like there's a certain place you you can go in Boston. Like a lot of people, like these guys, um, they want to move to Cali to mm-hmm. any further on in their career. Yeah. But I don't know in the music industry, like DJing, I would say partying, it's not similar. Like there's spaces to grow. Like mm-hmm. you just it's, you just got to push it, I guess, mm-hmm. and I, the drive. I think what I'll say about Boston is that it's a perfect testing ground for the few, for for other places. Mm-hmm. So if you could build something out of nothing here. When you go to somewhere like New York, you go to Cali, you already have that drive. That's Mm -hmm. true. You know, and you have that mentality to be like, yo, I built something from nothing in this place. So now. Just laying down the groundwork out here. Yeah, yeah. So, um, So how'd you brand, how did you brand yourself to the point where you're getting booked and you're actually getting paid? Because I feel like just like, you know, rapping, producing, Mm -hmm. videography, I feel like DJing is something that's oversaturated because everybody can get a laptop, get Mm -hmm. Serato, get whatever. It's simpler to do. It's Mm -hmm. simple. Mm -hmm. So, so, like the the barriers to entry is gone. So how how did you brand yourself to a position to where you stand out enough to you know have a, a name for yourself? So so I think I got in at a good time where this transition was before it was you know I was you know probably the first generation of Serato users, right right after the record phase when people were carrying records, carrying crates, carrying CDs. I was mm-hmm. I was that first wave of you know you know Serato users. So. In that sense, you know, before before when anybody can just go out and get a controller for 200 bucks and, you know, take some pictures and call them a DJ, it was like sourcing the music, sourcing and figuring out where it came from, sourcing, buying CDs, buying records or whatever, whatever, ripping records sometimes, you know. And then from there, like, I there was just certain opportunities. Like, you know, I think, like, destiny is real. And there's certain conversations that you have, certain people that you meet, certain places that you will be that lead to the next step Facts. you know so it's like i remember one time i had a college roommate and I, I was working at this i was working at nike town downtown and um i had a college roommate and he told me like i stopped working there but he was still working there and he was like yo um nike's looking for somebody to do their their um their in-store for thanksgiving weekend so he put me in contact with the manager. That was my manager when I was there. Yeah. I had just not been talking to her since I left. Left. Yeah. It, it wasn't like a bad relationship or anything like that. She's like, I didn't know you DJ. And I was like, yeah. And then from there, I was in the store the whole weekend, you know, like DJing that whole time. And then from there, I met this guy that was, you know, his wife owned a couple of restaurants yeah. in the South End. Yo, can you DJ for me? I think <laughs> what you're playing is cool. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Can you DJ for me? Boom. And then it was just like, you know, one door will open to the next door. So for me, it's always it about in being in the right place. Yeah, being prepared. Because I, I think when you're prepared, and your craft is like you take that seriously. When you get those opportunities, you never know where they're gonna come from. But at the same time, too, when you get those opportunities, you have to crush it, and then people will take notice and they'll be like, "Yo, like this that's is true. this is popping. Like this person is good." That's true. That's true. Yeah. So in the city right now, um, I know you are, you have a lot of places. You're um. What's uh, you DJ frequently? Mm-hmm. You would call that um. What's your your home? Oh, dan- re- residency. Re- yeah, residency. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. So, what are some places your residency right now? So, my main residencies right now. I have a monthly that you guys attend. Most yeah, of the yeah. Um, it's all good at Good Life. Every last Thursday in the month. That's my favorite. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, that, that that was always one of my favorite parties too. Even before all good, it was a little louder. Yeah. Um, I'm a recurring resident. You know, so when I fill in. 
it's like sometimes I fill in for um, some DJs at yeah. Middlesex Lounge, mm. but that's kind of more consistent basis. Like if they need us, like we'll go right away. Me and my partner DJ Big Bear. Um, the W Hotel. I'm a resident there. I have a monthly residency there. Okay. Um, and then um, we started a couple months ago um, a residency at Hajoko, which is in oh, Fenway yeah. Park. It's a free party on Saturday nights, so we just like to come in and just enjoy themselves. We're actually having the one this Saturday. It's pretty cool. But okay. Those are my four core residencies. Um, and then I just, you know, from there, one-offs and book when I can. Um, good Life and Middlesex have always been the bread and butter because those are always the outlet places where you could play whatever you want. Do you play at the Ratchet Spots? Do I play at the Ratchet? I wouldn't... <laughs> What's the Ratchet Spot? <laughs> I mean, you know the music. It gets a little ratchet. Yeah. You, if you go to Good Life, you see the vibe of people. Yeah. You know, it's cool. Everybody, the vibe is great. Mm-hmm. There's some Ratchet Spot. You go at the end of the night, there's going to be a fight. Yeah. You know, like... I, I think there's always curbing to that. Like, it's, it's funny because um, I... I you know, coming from like when I was playing in college circuits, I kind of catered my sets more to a to a more eclectic kind of musical okay. crowd. Mm-hmm. So like I, I understand that what he what he means when he says ratchet spots like we're, like essential party hits are getting played like swag surfing and stuff like that. But, yeah, that but Cardi B. Buck. yeah, you that know, Cardi B on man. Yeah, you and know Diamond. what I'm saying. That yeah. Cardi knock a few buck. Yeah, Cardi yeah, B. yeah, yeah. yeah those <laughs> are essentials. But at the same time too, I think it's all about curation. So it's like for me. If I was going to get booked in a place like that you would consider what you would say like a ratchet spot, I think I would just try to, you know, inflect my, you know, my branding and my, the way I play mm-hmm. to make people, you know, I haven't heard any, let's say like, I haven't heard anything like this before yeah. when I've been out, you know, it's like you can make any spot into a new spot. Cool. Yeah. Cause ratchet spots don't get right. It, it, uh, the music sends out the energy and the, like the energy, like mm-hmm. it could get you, like you play Nuck if you buck, of course people are going to start getting hyped, swag surf, they're going to get hyped. Mm-hmm. The, depending on the music you play, the people, the people mood are going to change, you know, it could be less ratchet, mm-hmm. you know, that's true. Like, but I think mm-hmm. at the same time though, as a DJ, like he said, he has to read the crowd. So certain people come out with that energy already. That That's what they want. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, so I think, I don't think like, for example, if you went to a ratchet spot, I don't think they'll want to hear the eclectic stuff. They'll be like, nah, I came here to, you know, bump Cardi B, hear some Migos, yeah, hear some yeah, Future. Yeah, yeah. I, I think I, I think the, the biggest thing to me, what I find is, like, if you can play songs that cater to women in the in the crowd. Mm-hmm, facts. You know, and, and you could, you know, take them in a place where they're not, like, you know, I, I think women control parties. In a sense to say, like, if they're having a good time, it's a good party. So if you can play and cater to them, and play those songs that they love without being like playing overly aggressive music. Mm-hmm. You could cause a party to be good. You mm-hmm. know what I'm saying? Any place can be dope. So it's like, from there, it's like that's what I go into it when I'm playing with spots that are like with thin line you know, of excessive way, um, grinding. Women carry everything, but you said when you said the word curate, that flipped the switch in my mind. Mm-hmm. So as a DJ, where do you like? What's your angle? Because I feel like, as you said. You answered in when there was like a shift, like right before the shift happened. Mm-hmm. And again, I feel like another shift has happened to where people just can't be DJs. Mm-hmm. Like if you look at DJ Khaled or you look at DJ Academics or you look at DJ Drama. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like now DJs are DJs are so important to the point where they're out, they're actually one of the curators. Like it's like aside from like um social media influencers, DJs play a major role too. So what's your end goal as a DJ? Because I don't feel like that's true. Well, I'm, I, I may be wrong, but I don't feel like this being a DJ is just yeah, able to yeah. suffice now. I mean, I, I, okay, go ahead. No, I was going to say, because wasn't there a point in time when DJs were almost like dying out? Uh, it, in a sense, what I, what well, I unappreciated. Think, yeah, unappreciated. Yeah, what I would say is, you know, the DJ was the, originally in, in, the, in the elements of hip-hop, the DJ was probably the most important thing. Yeah. As the yeah. focus shifted towards, you know, rappers, 
or like you know the main artist the dj kind of took a back step yeah but you know i think now djing as a tool is a vehicle to do a lot of different things so if you're a good dj and you have good personality a match with social media presence that's what it is social mm -hmm. media man yeah mm -hmm. you 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 could really become you know anything that you want to off of djing that's right. true you know but you cannot I, to me it's like i don't accept DJs who play bad music or like they're not good at DJing, but they're using that as a vehicle in order to like, you know, build their presence. You know, it's like for me, it's like I, when you, there's a lot of us DJs that take this, you know, we take this so seriously yeah. <laughs> that it's like this is our craft. This is what brought us to where we needed to be. This was it came in at our time in life where it was very important to us. So it's like to just use to not respect the craft really is like okay, like. You just you, you're just doing this just to become popular, mm -hmm. or you're just Darks. doing this to get to another place. So when, those DJs will eventually die out because the craft will never die out. That's yeah. True. So it's like you know you just let that go, but at the same time too, if you're good at what you do, and you understand marketing, you understand social media, mm -hmm. and you understand how that works. Khaled. Yeah. yeah. You, you're 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 gonna you're gonna get to the point That's where true. it's like take advantage. Of you it. can build off of it. Yeah. So so I, I want your opinion. What do you what's your opinion on on the Boston music scene right now as a, as a DJ? I, I, I think it's incredible to see what's been going on in the Boston music scene over the last four or five years. You know, you have artists coming out of here that you would never five ten years ago you would never think that an artist would be, you know, yeah, going on tour. You know. Um, we have like people like Cousin Stiz, Michael Christmas. You know, you even have people like um, have Jeff A. Replay, and you have um, you know Vintage Lee. Mm -hmm. You have all these artists that are you know in the similar crafts together, and now they're being looked at. You know, from the outside view, like damn, like what's going on in Boston? Yeah, you know what I'm yeah, saying. People have been that's true. a lot of people sleep on Boston, man. They yeah. don't. They don't yeah. even think black people are gonna come from Boston. That's, 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 that's 100 true. true. You yeah. know, so. So it's 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 amazing to see, you know. I I think that um, you know, if you if you would have said that ten years ago, that you would have had, you know, the, the amount of attention on, yeah. And and that's also with the internet. The internet's big on that, man. You know, so I I think it's 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 great to see, and I think it only helps the city because you know that makes people be like, okay, like maybe I'll stay here and do more stuff here. Do you see yourself um, growing or staying in Boston, like, cause there's opportunities everywhere. But mm -hmm. do you see yourself? Like being loyal to the city, I I think you know for the good part of my my twenties, like I'm still in my twenties. For the good part of my twenties, I've been loyal to Boston and I've I've mm -hmm. stayed here and you know rolled with the opportunities. I I think for me Boston will always be a base. I I, I couldn't see myself you know completely exiting from Boston. Yeah, because I'm, I'm invested here, but at the same time too, it's like the well is big. Yeah, you know, so if Boston could be the base for me, but then move around or do different things in different cities. I think that would be cool, but you know, Boston is the home. Boston is what I'm familiar with. Boston is what I built. I built I built things here. I built relationships with people and I built memories here. Yeah. So, you know, like yeah. it would it's, always be a part of it. It's it's always good like um your home is always where you ha have the most network. You know, it's hard to leave where mm -hmm. you have the most network because your network is your net worth. So I that's think it depends, good. though, about the network. Like your home is where you have the most network. Well, okay, not your, not necessarily, but wherever you have the most network is definitely mm -hmm. yeah. it's, it's the best place you could be. N not yeah. to not to discourage anybody from leaving Boston. Like I think you need to use spaces for what you need them for. Yeah. So, like for example, for you guys for beat making and and, and doing different things. If you want to move to California, if that's where you need to be in terms to sell beats or to do press or to do other things, by all means, you have to go there. You, you know, um, 
opportunity creates itself, but it gets to a point where you, you know you need to go to the places that have That's more true. opportunity. Have to, exactly. You know, it's just understanding the market and the demographics of a place, and then yeah. So it's like what Ronnie was saying, like this is ceiling. Depending on what you're doing, mm-hmm. I think Boston's well, a lovely of, place, I, man. I, yeah, absolutely. No, it's, it's a dope I think place. in terms of artistry, mm-hmm. like in, in the arts and creative stuff, there's a ceiling. You have to go like outside in Boston. It's like you know, we talked about this. I, I think you know what's gonna happen. I think in the next ten to fifteen years, you're gonna see a Boston that's much different from what we grew up in. You're gonna see a Boston that's more, um, you know, open to arts, more open to culture. I think. Mm-hmm. Oh my bad, I need to cut you off. Go ahead, go ahead. I'm gonna say I agree with that, but I, do you think it's gonna be culture, urban culture? I think that's a, that's a tricky situation because I feel like if you look at gentrification, <laughs> it's gonna if it's gonna be artsy and culture, I feel like it's gonna be whatever that gentrified arts and culture. No, is. No, I, I completely understand that. But, you know, at the end of the day, we're always the you know we're always the culture. Like you know what I'm that's saying? True, Our, like the community is always the culture. So it's like we no matter what we do, you know, even if you look at gentrified models in different cities, you know basis of what they do is like it's more of a community feel a community vibe it's always been you know the what the underground or you know the lesser what's been out in the lesser of the forefront has always been like a community kind of thing mm-hmm. if you look at hip-hop it was always a community first you know when you have when you have like a more you know creative area you know the people who are creatives will always control the culture so for 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 Boston, what I see in the next 10 or 15 years, there's places that want to, there are establishments that want to create the vibe in the city. They want to mm-hmm. create, you know, open it up for creators. Yeah. They want to open it up. It's just, my, I think now what, what it needs to become is on a level of, you know, legislation. Um, people who are creatives need to get more involved in, in politics. Mm-hmm. You know, and, 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 yeah. and the main thing too is like, economics will always run everything. So we could complain about Boston not being creative. We could complain about everything, but at the same time, too, if we're not putting our paper together, if we're that's not, true, man. If we're not building together so, in a sense, I always preach that. <laughs> you no, know, that's the only way you really change. Things. You want to hurt somebody, you got to hurt them in their pockets. Yeah. That's the only. Or way Or if you want to build, you got to build in the pockets. You know? That's true. <laughs> it's very true, man. I agree with that. Yeah. What's your opinion on EDM DJs? Because I heard. I mean, people have mixed feelings about that, given that they're not really DJing. Like, mm-hmm. they, they produce these tracks, and they pretty much just hit play and, you know, turn up. Mm. So th- would you call them DJs, or do you look at them like, man, I don't, that's something else, but that's not DJing? So what I'll say is, like, the whole EDM situation, because if you le- read, the, like, the lists of EDM DJs and how much money they make... They're killing this. Yeah, ridiculous. you know, it's... it's it, but the thing is, what it goes back to is, you know, DJ and producing are one and the same. Mm. You know, if you have look at DJ Premier, you look at a lot of producers back in the day, cutting and scratching is just another element of production. You know what I'm saying? DJing turntablism is like a musical instrument. So the skills that producers use and DJs use are translatable. You know, like Calvin Harris. Mm-hmm. He's I, number I, one on the list, right? Yeah, I think he's I think he's yeah, up there, yeah. number one in that top three, top five range. But to 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 he's he he I could tell. At some point, he was a DJ. Right. You know, so, you know, I think those producers have taken that next step. And, you know, the mainstream culture accepts what they do. What I think was so dangerous about EDM, though, is that it got so big to the point where it denied every other culture of music. Mm. So for a good, from, I'll say, like 2009 to maybe 2013, mm-hmm. if you were not playing EDM music, you were not getting booked in big clubs. And yeah, all those opportunities true. were like... You know, some places they'd be like, no, hip-hop. Like, 
Yeah. Okay. Like, cool. And you know, that's why I say good life in Middlesex were also safe spaces because we were still able to play whatever we wanted sure. in those spaces. But I, I think for you know, like I said, you know, what's real is real, and we'll always live, and what's fake is fake. We'll die out. So you know, now you see a lot of you know infusion of dancehall music into mainstream popular music. That's true. But it's like before those same clubs were saying, yo, you cannot play your boy Drake dance hall here. Mm-hmm. You cannot play hip hop music here. But now it's coming back around. So it's like it's just like I think EDM was for what it was at the time, you know, it made a lot of people a lot of money. Mm-hmm. And that's good for you if you were in that mold. Um, but, you know, so you feel it's dying out. You feel like it's kind of declining. I think it's on the decline. Cause it, well, I mean, yes, was a perfect answer because it kind of answered what I was going to it's like a perfect segue to mm-hmm. me asking, what do you feel about producers? Like, you know, Metro booming. Mm-hmm. And because Waka Flocka recently, you know, had some flack about that, about producers being artists and mm-hmm. being DJs, mm-hmm. like stepping outside of their lane. Mm-hmm. And you answered that question pretty well because I feel like they're all one in one because this time's what I'll be making the beat. And I'll be like, I, I can visualize what artist is going to be on it, what artist would be there, what artist would do that. Mm-hmm. And I'll listen to music and be like, I'll listen to music and be like, okay, this person would be dope on this, this person would be dope on that. Mm-hmm. So like you perfect that was a perfect like segue to mm-hmm. connecting that. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, yeah, I mean the creative mind when you're creating beats or creating anything, you just like already visualize it out, and you, like you said, like a producer can already see like, oh, this song would be perfect for this person. Mm-hmm. You know, so uh, yeah, uh, definitely. So like back, I, I wanted to go back to the um the whole Boston scene. So you as a DJ, do you find yourself like playing more Boston records in, in, in the clubs? Mm-hmm. Um, being that you had that opportunity to help the culture grow? I think for me, it's like, it, it's it, it's in a tough space because you want to be able to break records. You want to be able to do what you got to do. And it's like, if you can throw things in, you have to do that. Yeah. I think the best place to, you know, release music or support Boston artists is on your personal projects, like mm-hmm. DJ mixes. I always try, like I've done, you know, a couple mixes, Best of Music 2015. They're on my website, www.youngcloud.com. SoundCloud too, right? Yeah, yeah, SoundCloud, MixCloud. Um, yeah, but, you know, the best way I try to approach it is if I'm making a mix, there will not be a, a mix, like a main, if like if it's like an R&B mix or like mm-hmm. a focused mix like I did for like a couple other people, like brand or artists, whatever. But if it's like a, a, just a main, a main mix, I'm throwing Boston tracks on there because, you know, when I push that out to the people, it's like they're just listening to a good mix and they'll be like, wait, who is that artist that they just, that song yeah, yeah, came yeah. from? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? So it's like, then they'll do the research and then be like, okay, that's a Boston artist. You know what I'm saying? I think it's tougher in the club sometimes because, you know, as a party rocker, you have to be able to, you know, keep it, keep it moving. And it's good to throw in tracks that people are starting to get familiar with. Mm-hmm. So, I try to do that at the same time too, but at the same time too, you also have to understand like you don't want the energy to stop. So it's like a lot of people, the listeners are the most important thing in a party. So it's like if they're not up on the thing, you got to pound that into their head, yeah. but at the same time too, you still got to keep it, you know. So money. as a DJ, do you go out to parties? Um, if I go out to a party, it's to, you know, just listen and observe and see what okay. people are doing. Yeah, I was going to ask you that because it's hard for you to go enjoy a party if you listen to music because that's part of your craft and mm-hmm. stuff. It's mm-hmm. like it's hard to focus on the party. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. You know, it's always it's always good to do. Like, you just do it as, like, market research, really. Um, mm-hmm. You just, you listen. If it's good, it's good. What was that song that person played? That was dope. Or if it's, if it's bad, it's like, what could that DJ have done better? So, you know... When you have a trained ear now, you kind of look for those things when you go yeah. out. 
and that's generally what I do. Sometimes it's like just to go hear homies play. Like if I'm at, you know, if I have an open night mm-hmm. and I and I get to go hear one of my friends play at Middlesex or I go to get to hear one of my friends play at the W, it's like, yo, I'm going to go do that because I want to see what they're doing with dope stuff they're playing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, just just to be around good energy, you know? Okay. Would, you, awesome. would you say um, your hearing abilities, they're, they're <laughs> super sonic? Because I, cause I, I experienced that. I experienced that. Um, I was with a friend. He's a DJ. Mm-hmm. And he heard a squeaking noise, and none of us heard it. And mm-hmm. it was like, somebody's at the door. Mm-hmm. And like two seconds later, somebody opened the door. It was like, damn, how'd you? I, I think my hearing abilities, for some of us, we may develop supersonic abilities, but some of us, our hearing may be going away because we Ooh. listen to such loud music yeah, all the time. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think like I have a trained ear, so I can tell when something's off. Okay. Um, you know, like some something that somebody might not pick and put on a party when a song like is out of, like the beats aren't matching, I'll be like, a trained ear for most DJs if you listen been doing it for a while you'll just hear that and be like yo like mm. that that didn't add up you know so okay, that's, how, okay. that's how you pick that up yeah. where do you see the future of DJ heading because I feel like unless you're ahead of the wave you're gonna you know you, you like you would that's how people fall off when they're not anticipating what's happening or creating what's happening so where do you see DJing heading I, I think it's in a solid place Um, once again is entertainment as long as people need to be entertained you're gonna have to have DJs so twenty year olds, yeah. So you got drugs, alcohol. You need music, man. And you need somebody managing the music. Um, I think with the advances in technology, mm-hmm. if you you have to stay up on that, and that's where DJs fall off if they're not willing to change the way that they they play, or they're not willing to change the you know what what technology is pushing mm-hmm. out to them. Um, you got to keep up with the times in terms of technology, you know. So. I think that's kind of where the wave is moving towards. Yeah. And um, like I said, it's you know, it's it's something. There's always going to be a need for it. It just depends on if you can shift with the shifts, you know. Okay. So where do you see yourself going as a DJ, or like what it was some like? Um, to me, it's you know, I would just like to continue to build the brand, um, build my personal brand, um, build my brand with my team collectively. Yeah, they brolic. You know, so th- it, for me, is the next couple. The next step is to you know not only be playing in rotation in Boston, but to be in playing in other cities and doing sets that are cool and fun, you know? Countries too, man. Yeah, countries, cities, cities, countries, man. It's like wherever I can, you know, give my, mm-hmm. give what goes on in my mind out to the people. I think that's important. Okay, and is there anything outside of DJing that that you do where you're trying to um, maybe cross-promote or like maybe, uh, you know? So, yeah, um... So I started a, a group or a company in 2012 called Collective.us. Mm-hmm. And from there, we've been hosting events and doing things in the city for a little bit. Um, and now we're trying to push that, you know, to to all over the country and all over the world. So from there, you know, just building that brand out. Um, I've been graphic designer for a while, too. So, you know, just come trying to become better at that. Yeah. And, you know. Underappreciated. Yeah. Graphic design's underappreciated. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so just you know, pushing that, pushing those all together and those elements together, you know. So, is is there a spot you see one spot you you want to play? Like, you know, like a lot of people EDM DJs that go to Ibiza. Mm-hmm. Is there a certain spot you would love to play one day? To me, it's it's more. It's not even about a, a particular place. It's about certain like brands. So I want to okay. my 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 goal in the next couple of years to to play a, this thing called Boiler Room. Mm-hmm. Oh I would, yeah, yeah, I would yeah. love to play a party like that. I think that's one of the coolest parties. They record the sets and put them For on like YouTube. Hours, and stuff right? Like that. Yeah, and I just think it's like watching those sets as a DJ when I was younger. I was like, damn, I want to be there, you know. So, you have a favorite? 
I like Jazzy J- Jazzy, Jazzy Jeff. Jeff. Yeah. So there's there's a bunch. I can't even say it off the top of the head. Um, one of our friends that we brought from New York City recently, MoMA. Um, he does a party called Everyday People. He did one recently with Juventus, the soccer mm-hmm. team. That was pretty dope. Okay. Um, I uh, Kitty Cash had one. This DJ, she's from New York. She had one that was pretty cool. I thought that was dope. And just traveling into that spot, I, I think would be cool. Okay. Oh, it's in. It's located in New York. They do them all over the world. Oh, uh, okay. Now she was just giving us a time card. Oh. <laughs> no, 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 no. So, do you have any books that you read? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, I've been reading a couple books lately. Um, I was reading this morning. I was reading um, "The Stranger" by Albert Camus. Um, I've been reading "48 Laws of Power" recently. Mm. That's a good one. Yeah, it's a good one. You learn how to like maneuver. <laughs> I don't know if I should be reading it though because yeah, it's, it's like it's like kind of sinister. Yeah, you you, you go <laughs> I don't from think a it's sinister. Man. You, I mean, you go from a benevolent perspective yeah, to like, like manipulative. Yeah, what's the angle? But I, I don't look at it as manipulative. I look at it as strategic, mm-hmm. like being strategic. No, no, no. Very much. You have to have strategy and everything that you go into. I think the same author wrote Fifty Law of the Power, Fifty Cent's yeah. book. That yeah. one's pretty good too. He, he wrote the Art of Seduction too. So all the mm-hmm. guys that are trying to you know how know how yeah, to yeah, get women. the game up. <laughs> Speaking of that, man, yeah. being a DJ, how do the woman come to you? Like, I mean, it's a party. Like, how do you stay away from that? Because I know you get a lot of attention. You, you know, you, the vibe is right. Well, sure he's that one to come he's managed. The DJ booth. Yeah, I, I think it's like DJing is like basketball. It's like they <laughs> yeah. see your face. They always say like you don't see the football player's face. So like you could just say you play football, yeah. but mm, DJs right. they see you he's there right there with the headphone he's, he's and the looking, man. The, and the lights hitting you and everything. So <laughs> yeah, to me, you know, when I go into a party, you know, the focus is to. My focus when I go on is to make sure everybody's having a good time. And I think like I said before, women are the key part to the party. Yeah, the key um, parts to everything. Though. Yeah, with yeah, with everything in life. You know what I'm saying? But at the same time, too, you know, you have to just focus on what you focus on. Or, you got to deliver, man. Shout out to, you know. The, <laughs> that was the most politically correct answer. He answered it without <laughs> answering it. He was you know like, why I like to go to his party? You see a lot of beautiful women out there, man. Oh, yeah? Yeah, he, he knows how to bring the vibes, man. So, then, so what things do you do to curate that environment? Because it's not just the music. Because if you look at EDM DJs, they have all these lights and lasers and fog. What things do you do to curate and make it perfect for women? You know, to me, you have to create spaces that women feel comfortable to attend. So I think, you know, you never market or promote based off of, you know, thirst or a type of energy that is, like, mm-hmm. sexual or okay. aggressive in nature. I so, think, you know, so it's like if it, if you create an artistic vibe or you create a vibe that, you know, girls are like, yo, I want to, I would yeah. actually want to come to this and I think this is dope. Like, that's where you're going to get the ones that are, like, cool that come in that have proper energy. You know, mm-hmm. like, energy is very important. So that's, that's true. Okay. Yeah. So, so how do you do that with your flyers? I, I I have never had like a swimsuit model on the flyer. <laughs> yeah, you know it's more about you know approaching it from an artistic perspective. Mm. You and you have to be able yeah. to say what you want to say on a flyer without saying too much. Gotcha. Mm-hmm. So I mean I, I've seen your flyers because Rodney would usually send me like the mm. the flyers for like the collective and like the the wave and everything. And I I, know, I did notice that the colors there are like they stand out. There's mm-hmm. not. You're not sexually selling it, mm-hmm. so like what? It's ba- all art. Yeah, it's, all, it's it's art. So like, what background do you have in terms of marketing or you know yeah, promoting so, something? So I have a degree in marketing. Okay, see that's so, where it comes. Yeah, that's what it is. Know the psychological aspects, like yeah, um, you know, and to me, it's always been, I, so I was a kid in high school. When everybody listened to Little Lane, I was listening to Lupe Fiasco. Mm. Kanye West is my favorite rapper after Jay-Z, like, when I was in my formative years. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And those guys, you know, Pharrell music, Pharrell production was and always ERD. important. And for me, it was always based on art to them. 
So, you know, seeing that influence and seeing those, you know, what they were producing and putting out, you kind of go from that element to say, like, you know, like, we don't have to sell, you know, women shaking, shaking, you know. Their tatas. Yeah, shake, like, whatever, shaking their asses and me swiping credit cards in their butt cheeks. Like, Shout out to Nelly. <laughs> <laughs> we can do this in another way. We can, you know, we can, you know, cater to, to, to the crowd and audience that we want to in a different way. Okay. And for us at Collective, we've always been on the frame to say, like, we want to create a cool space where people can come through and chill. And if you happen to it's talk to a, okay. a pretty girl there, you can, you know. And that's the thing that, that, that works for us. Okay, so if there's, like, let's say this. Somebody before you just had, like, a terrible set. The party's dead right now. Mm-hmm. You know, now, now you're getting on. So <laughs> what's one song that that's, never happens? What's anyway. one song? But if, if that's the case. What's one song that you would play to get um, the ladies going? Mm. See, to me, it's like it wouldn't be one particular song, but it would be a buildup. Mm-hmm. So what I would do is try to go into it with a basic song that has like a good sound. Sometimes it may not even have any words in it. Like last month, they're all good. Like I was playing something like, it was by Little Silva that, you know, n- nobody here like would really be checking for. Mm-hmm. But that's going to get me to the next song. It's going to get me to the next song. Okay. It's called Foreplay. You know, yeah. Okay. That I can get okay. into, you know, eventually drop No no Hands by, you know, Waka Flocka and Wale. Okay. That, that yeah, I know yeah. the crowd's going to go crazy to. But it's not just one particular song, but it's creating that, you know, what's coming next. Building that anticip- anticipation to be like, what's coming next? What's yeah. coming next? What's coming next? And um, yeah. That's the key. Have you had a, have you ever had a bad set? Yeah, everybody has a bad. So what what do you do to maintain? I mean, who I mean, tells to, you? To, yeah, who tells you? The, well, that's a good question. The, too. the crowd. The first set uh. I ever played. It was 2008. It was the first party house party I've ever played in my life. And you know, people were expecting here dance hall and whatever. And I was playing Michael Jackson. <laughs> And Which people were fire. people were booing me, but this is before Michael Jackson died. Oh, so it was like people were booing me, and I'm like, "Sorry, guys, this is what I like to listen to." <laughs> so then yeah. you learn not to play what you like. I hate what bad like. DJs, man. That shit yeah. irks me. It messes up your, your it's whole just, vibe. Yeah. It's true. You know, you it's you know, like I said, but you guys asked me about playing Boston music, local music. It's inflecting what you want mm-hmm. with keeping in mind that you have to give the crowd what they want. Mm-hmm. And that's what the thing for a good DJ is. You know, Jazzy Jeff is one of the best DJs because he will play tracks that he wants to play. But he's coming back at you with something that you know is popping. Like, mm-hmm. he he had this one set where he had, um, he played um, this song called Paulette, which is the sample for Can't Get Enough by J. Cole. Mm-hmm. And when you hear that, you're like, you're at a party and you're just like, whatever. You know, Jazzy Jeff is a legend, so people are going to go crazy to whatever, but... Normally, if it was just me, like, doing something like that, people would just be like, okay, like, this guy just dropped some, like, Spanish, Brazilian-sounding music in here. Why would he do that? But the next song is coming with, you know, can't I can't it. get enough. Yeah. And, you know, when you hear that connection, you're like, yo, like, crazy. This, you know? So it's like... A lot of people don't appreciate it if they don't like music, though. Yeah, so yeah. You got to play for the listeners, man. For the listeners. Yeah, and the, but the crowd will always tell you if you're doing a good job or not. So what's next for you? What's next for me? Uh, in the short term or in the long term? Um, short and long. Short term, you know, next couple this month is pretty pretty cool. I got a lot of cool events coming up this month. Um, I'm I'm playing at Bijou tonight uh, for the uh, for the um, Starboy, um, the weekend official after party. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and then um, Thursday so he, he, weekend. He's definitely getting groupies today. Then. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but no. Nah, um, then on Thursday I'm playing at the MFA. They're showing the movie Get Out. 
So I'm gonna play oh, a DJ dope, set man. before that. Dope. Um, for real, get out at yeah. MFA. Yeah, in Boston. Yes. Ooh. Outside. I might have to swing by. Swing man. Watch. Tickets are free at MFA.org. Oh, they got it. Um, is it inside or outside? Outside, outside. It's gonna be nice That's on Thursday. Nice yeah. Okay. No. Bring, I mean, bring the lovelies chick. out. <laughs> a white chick to watch Get Out. I mean, this guy said that. No, but it, it, that's true. Yeah, no, it's true. Very, 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 I mean, I'm not lying. It's very very culture, man. If you're going to date a white chick, you got to at least have a be hip. That's the yeah. first movie we watch. Yeah, yeah. Man, no, it's a conversation like starter. Um, and then um, <laughs> we'll end up on the auction block. Go what's ahead, uh, Saturday at Hajoku? We got a really big party. Um, it's free too. Um, it's for our friend Durkin. He's a producer in the city and he's a DJ. He just dropped an EP on Fool's Gold Records called Another Island, mm-hmm. which is um, we're doing a host party for that, which is the official um, EP release party. And um, we're raising money for Hurricane Irma and Harvey Relief Fund. Dope, dope, dope. dope. Yeah. Shout out I to mean, them out there. For the long term, for me, um, I just recently quit my job to do this full time. Build a oh, brand. Oh, yeah. man, that's what's up. That's, yeah. Yeah, so, so, so now it's about, you know, building here and also building in other markets. Mm. I'm going to LA in November, trying to play a bunch of sets out there. Okay. Um, I think I got Montreal coming up. And Lovely uh, city. Yeah, yeah. I like I like that place a lot. Um, and you know, just building, continuing to build. That's what uh, you gotta so, do, man. What do you guys got I mean, coming up? My father. I don't mean to uh, take over. That's <laughs> <laughs> all good. It's all good. Lenny, he's uh, the one me, moving. Um, yeah, so I'm I'm headed out to LA. Oh, dope, um, dope, dope. For the month of October. Oh, for so, the whole month. Yeah, October 15th. Not, to the November fifteenth, so yeah, yeah, the whole month. Yeah, All right, yo, like month. Yeah, we could so. maybe link up. Nah, definitely. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yo, these guys, man, good people to link up with. Nah, nah, nah definitely. definitely. I mean, I wish. I mean, we could talk off, off air, but we're kind of pressed for time. Yeah. So before we just you know sign off, I want to ask you to give some wisdom to the listeners. Wisdom is a, it's a play on words, you know, whiz, which is wisdom and dumb, D U M B. That's the name mm-hmm. of the. Yeah. So you know, you can give a, a balance of both. All right. Um. Something, or either or. Something wise, I would say, you know. Don't stop at anything. Don't don't stop. If somebody says no to you, don't stop. Just keep going. Always mm-hmm. keep going. And don't be afraid to be dumb. Like, yeah. you, you, you know, fear, like, we can do a lot of stupid things in fear. But, you know, sometimes what people perceive as stupid could be something that you're doing that's going to push you to be what you want to be. So, um, yeah, just keep pushing. So, where could the people find you, man? They could find me at, you know, collective.us, or you can find me on Instagram at youngpaulyvngpavl. I spell it a little different. Um, and, you know, you, you can just hit me up on there, on Twitter, same thing, all my social channels, or www.youngpaul.com, spelled the way that I just spelled it. Um, yeah. I appreciate oh, you guys having you, me. Man. Once yeah. again, thank yeah. you, man. Thanks for joining us. Yeah, man. You know? It was yeah, fun. Yeah, yeah. It was a good time. It's been the Wisdom Podcast. Thanks for listening, guys. Till next time. We out.